as you see in the bulletin, I, I did not submit to Kate a title, but that's, that's my fault, so forgive me. But our text this morning is in John chapter 14, and we're going to get there in just a, a few minutes, and we'll read that, those first six verses. But I just want to start this morning by just sharing with you, you know, a few things that I think we can all relate to. And the thing that we all go through or experience or feel is that these rejections, right? You ever been rejected in your life? Ever feel defeat? Ever feel like you failed? Oh, I know with Jesus we never fail. We always succeed. Well, you know, we fail. You know, practically speaking in this life, we fail. We, we, we fall short in many things. And we've all experienced these things. The failures, the rejections, the defeats, the setbacks, the frustrations, disappointments, the anger, the you name it. All these difficult things that, well, they drive us crazy and they kind of bring us down and they're negative sometimes, right? And... When these things happen, these negative feelings are created, and oftentimes they're there because, well, the enemy wants to use them to destroy us or to bring us down or to impede us in our progress. And when we start having those feelings and we start entertaining them and dwelling on them, it's here that we have to be very, very careful about how we proceed in our journey following Jesus and walking with Jesus. You know, often the most painful wounds, as you know, are not the scars you see physically or things that happen on the surface with a big gash or whatnot, but they're things that are hidden and they're wounds that are in our heart. And sometimes they're really deep and they hurt really intensely. And the truth is that because they're hidden, they're often the most dangerous. Because we keep them hidden or we just don't want to deal with it because we feel like no one can understand or can relate but they can be dangerous. You know, setbacks in our lives and struggles on this journey that we're on with Jesus, and even the trials that come our way, and we have them, don't we? They can take the joy out of living if we let them. Amen? It happens. Sometimes our faith is weakened, if I could phrase it that way, but it's weakened, and and if we collect enough hurts in our life and we keep storing them in and they're there, it will stop us from wanting to press forward. Did you ever feel like you got up and it was like a 600-pound lead weight on your back and you just don't want to go because everything has been piling on you, or at least it feels that way, and maybe sometimes it actually is with whatever life circumstance might be at that moment where you are, and you just get up and it's like another day. And, I, and you just struggle, and you feel like you don't, there's no joy in it, and you don't want to keep going. And even success, you know, even when you're successful, they can make you a target of criticism too, and cause hurt when people ridicule you or criticize you for your, your different personality because of your success and what you do, and they start labeling you. And what, just, it comes in all forms and shapes and sizes. But let me just tell you don't let the hurts hurt you. In fact, Jesus doesn't want that to happen, and he helps us to not let that happen. Look at Job. You remember Job in the Old Testament? Some of us are familiar. Some of you may have never read about Job in the Old Testament. What an interesting story, and it's probably one of the oldest books in the, in the entire Bible that was written. And yet, there's a powerful story there that God uses about a man who was faithful, a man in the land of Uz, and he was blameless, he was upright, the Bible says. He was one who feared God, and he was one who turned away from evil. In other words, that was his pattern. Every time evil sprung up, he went the other way. He just, that was how he was defined because he lived that way. It was a pattern. It wasn't an occasional thing. He was someone who turned away from evil. Now Job, 
He had seven sons and three daughters. Big family, right? By our standards today, some people hear that and are like, oh, God bless them, right? I mean, we have that many kids. But listen, that, that was common even more. They even had more children families back then. And earlier, even our own history here in this country, was, but now it's like, you know, we've minimized it down to just a few. And, it, and it's manageable, right? But he had a beautiful family. And he was considered by the Bible, by God himself, as, if I could put it this way, the greatest of all the men of the East. He lost. He lost it all in the twinkle. Like just bang, he lost it. I mean, it was progressive, but it still happened very fast. One thing after another. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. And he hurt. Because he was human like you and me. And he felt the hurt. His wife hurt. Sometimes our spouses hurt. I know we don't, no one wants to acknowledge. Don't, don't, don't nod your head so we know who you are because then we'll know. Don't, but it hurts. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes our attitudes, sometimes our dispositions, our words, whatever, they hurt. They hurt. And we get, it's deeper and deeper. And if we, fe- we let it stay there and fester, we, things in our life, like our perspective and our vision and our faith, even it gets weakened or it gets subdued, if I could put it that way. But Job, he was knocked down, but he was not knocked out. We know the story. He had lost some of his the passionate power to grow, maybe, and some of his enthusiasm maybe had diminished because of his physical condition. But he checked his negative thinking at the door, including that of his wife and his friends, who were so well-meaning to help him find the reason why all this happened. And all the while, they're actually doing this to him, you know, like just pushing him down a little lower. And it hurt, because they're supposed to be people he trusted. And help him get out of this jam. And you know what he says in chapter 13 and verse 15? Though he slays me, talking about God, even if he kills me, I'll paraphrase, yet I'm going to trust him. That's how resolute, that's how fixed his trust and faith was in God. How could he, after undergoing so much hurt, say something like that? Now, let me just transition to a different thought. Different, different picture in your mind. We live on a beautiful coastline in Rhode Island. I mean, I love the coast anyway, but if, you know, you go to Little Compton, you compare it to Newport, you go to Narragansett, you go to Watch Hill, it's a beautiful coastline. I love the beach. I love the water. It's gorgeous to see. I just love the beach. I, I do. I love being on the beach. Now, we live in, we live in a, a place where, at least back in the day, it was a lot more of it. It's still there. But if you go down to Galilee or Point Judith, right? You, you, a lot of you have been there. And it's a little fishing village, or at least it was. not so. It is kind of, but much more in the past. And the fishing boats come in and out. But if you go down there and you walk on the docks by the boats, even for a little bit, you, it doesn't take long for you to notice that there are certain sea vessels or water vessels there that have a lot of barnacles on them. Right? You know barnacles? Right? You see a lot of them on there. Now, some of them maybe have just been there for a long time. Maybe they've just been neglected or have been sitting in the water forever. Now, you know, you know what barnacles, everyone knows what barnacles are, right? They're little crustaceans, actually, right? And they, they have this hard outer, like, shell. And then they have, like, these, I'm not going to be weird, but these feathery arms, right? They have these feathery arms, and the feathery arms, they catch all the plankton. And, that's, and they're always, like, you know, moving around. And then they catch all the plankton. Right, Gage? You know all about the barnacles. And, and, and that's how they, they eat the plankton. 
But they, they latch on to all these surfaces, and you know what they love? It's actually true. It's even with certain um, uh, rock and formations in the ocean. They love corrosive or things that break down. They'll latch on to them, even though they're hard. So they love these boat, the sides of boats and hulls of boats. Now, Uncle Pete's here, so I don't know if he could answer this question and validate or, or affirm this, but you know, there, there is all kinds of technology now with paints and finishes on boats that they put on there so they could limit what sticks to the hull and to, to kind of stop even barnacles from growing on them. They have certain things like copper and different chemicals and whatever, because barnacles, I understand, don't like copper. Um, but even that, what happens is they break it down and it doesn't take long before they get larger and they actually go through the paint and get right to the steel. Now, what happens when you have salt water and steel? It looks ugly, right? There's corrosion, and, and if you don't take care of that, it, it, like, it's not good news after a while, and it will eat through pretty quick. So what do they do? They have to take those barnacles and scrape them off because some, some vessels can have hundreds of pounds of barnacles, and here's the thing about barnacles is that they're a drag, literally a drag. Now, Literally, when they're going through water, the more barnacles you have, the more drag it creates. It's resistance. So when it's not as smooth for the water to go by the hull. And you know what happened? This matter, you know why this matters? Because you have these thousand foot ships that have hundreds of pounds of barnacles. And it requires that much more power and energy and fuel consumption to get through. And when it comes down to dollars and pennies for these shipping companies, they want clean hulls, no barnacles. Because every penny counts of fuel consumption, not to mention the time. So when you have all these barnacles growing, they're a real drag. And you know what? The boat didn't say like, oh, come on and grow on me, whatever. They just latch on, they get on there, and that's what happens. And that's kind of like how the troubles of this world are and life are and all the things that we go through, these ups and downs and frustrations and we have these failures and, and we have these, all these things that happen that are negative and they kind of just come in and they latch on to us. And they attach themselves and they cause us to drag. They cause us to drag. How did Job do it? The same way that we can do it. Through faith. Faith is the only thing. Faith in God is the only thing that can heal the hurts and remove or minimize the drag of all the hurtful experiences we've had. You know, Job scraped the barnacles off, if I could put it that way. And for him, it was painful, I'm sure. The scars would remain, but his life was put back together. And in the end, God restored everything to him multiple times. And strong belief in God was his medicine, and it's supposed to be our medicine. His wife and his friends could not do it. Only God could do it. And Job said in verse, chapter 42, in, in verse 2, he says, I know that you, talking about God, can do all things. Why? Listen to how he finishes that. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. He knew. Because you are in control. I mean, he probably didn't sing that song, but he had a different version of it. It's no guitars and drums, I don't know. But he knew that God was in control. That nothing of that God planned and willed for his life could be thwarted. Not by barnacles, not by Satan, not by his wife, not by his friends, not by questions, not by ne negativity, not by intimidation, nothing. He knew that God's plans would be fulfilled 
for his life. And this verse stands as like this great solid rock, a foundation in the scriptures. If you accumulated some barnacles along the way that are sapping your spiritual life, stealing your joy and causing you pain right now, this passage that we're going to read in John 14, if you believe it and you receive it, you'll be able to scrape the barnacles away and restore your joy and peace again. If your heart is troubled by something, there's hope for you today. Not tomorrow, today. Why do you want to keep dragging? John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to, there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And in verse 5, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, if we're going to overcome these things in our life and, and scrape off these barnacles or these experiences that latch onto us and cause us to drag, if I will put it that way, I just want to note three simple truths this morning from our text. And the first one is that Jesus plainly says that there are problems to overcome in this life. There are problems to overcome. Now, who doesn't have any problems? I I was hoping somebody raised their hand. Because that would be cool, right? We've got problems. Every single person has problems. You know, you have to understand something about what's going on in chapter 14, and it's really, really important that I take just a minute here, because to understand what precipitated these words, what came before what Jesus says about, let not your heart be troubled. You have to understand, you have to go back to chapter 13. And Jesus and his disciples, they've just finished having a Passover meal, probably for hours, just enjoying their company, and then Jesus demonstrating that he was, he was the Passover. That he was the fulfillment of that. That he was the, the, the bread and, he, and his blood was that, that, the cup, the, the, the fruit of the vine. That he was, and he was showing them what would be happening to them. And, and, and he's going through this meal. And he says certain things in this meal as they're finishing. And when they finish up, Jesus takes a towel. He says, hey guys, come over here. And he starts washing their feet. He humbled himself and he washes their feet. Each one of them. The, 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 the creator God, their creator, bows down and washes their feet. And then after he washes his feet, he tells them that he will be betrayed by one of their own. Man, you want to talk about a bombshell report. Hey guys, we're all sitting here. I know we had supper. I just washed your feet. One of you is going to betray me. And then eventually, you know, it's you, Judas, but it's, you're going to betray me. Can you imagine everything that filled their minds and their hearts and starting to wonder, and the other gospel records, is it me? They started to wonder among themselves, and there's fear, and there's trepidation, and you're wondering, what am I doing all this for? Is it going to be the, I the one after all these three years of following him, and all of a sudden, I'm the one who's going to betray him and say, like, no way, Jesus. The fear, the trouble that came into their minds and heart. Not only that, he also tells them in verse 31 to 33 in chapter 13 that he is going to be going away. Okay, wait a minute. One of you is going to betray me. Oh, and by the way, after you betray me, I'm going away. 
well, wait a minute, what about the rest of us? What about the one who betrayed you? We understand, okay, that's, I don't want to be that, but what about those who are left and then you're going to leave us? What do we do all this for? Wondering, fearful, and just confused. And the barnacles could start attaching, if you will, to their minds, their hearts. And then, in verse 36 to 38, ba-boom! They learn the horrific news that their leader, Peter, if I can call him that, will also deny him. Boy, that sounds like fun. Having these three things mentioned to you after you had this beautiful meal, wouldn't your mind, your heart go places and you be troubled and concerned and worried and fearful and all those things at once? And that's why. I love, I love the Word of God. I love God's plan. I love His heart. That's why we have these amazing words in chapter 14 of Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We need to remember this when the tough times come our way. Trials and tribulations are slated for all of God's children. Every single person, not even God's children, everyone goes through trials and tribulations, but hardships and difficulties in life. John 16, just a few chapters down, Jesus says that we shall or that we will have tribulation. It's not going to be easy. Job 14.1 and, 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 and 5.7 remind us that trials are part and parcel of the human existence. And in fact, many people are called upon, and I don't know why, to face their worst nightmares in this life sometimes. Man. The simple truth is this. No matter what the degree of that hardship is, hard times will come. They're going to come. Now, not to be a downer, it's not a downer, but the other side of this to to remind us and to encourage us is that, however, that in the midst of all our circumstances and difficulties, we can still have peace. We can still maintain our joy. We can still maintain our sights on what God wants us to be. The word, the first word in our text says, let's. It's a call for you and for me to be involved in the troublesome times of life with God. Oh, we go through them alone, but God's with us. There are troubles, but God's with us. We're not called upon to sit idly by while our lives are destroyed right in front of our own eyes. It's not what God's called us to. See, we have recourse. We have amazing recourse in times of trouble. We have this high priest and a mediator who's always there before God on our behalf 24-7. Amen? And he hears us and he calls on our behalf to the Father for mercy, for grace, for help in times of trouble and our times of need. We run there and he helps us. And he's so often quick. To help us. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. We have recourse because Peter tells us that we should cast all, not some, all of our cares, which includes worries, anxieties, troublesome things, setbacks, failures, all our cares on him. Why? Because he's a God of chance? He's a God of, well, whatever. No, because he cares for you. We have recourse. We can go back there and find that strength that we need when the barnacles start attaching themselves to us of negativity and difficulties in life that drag us as we go through life. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, listen, come to me all of you who are weary and you're heavy laden and I'll give you rest for your souls, right? Take my yoke upon me, learn from me because my burden is easy. It's light. You're in it with Jesus and he wants to go through it together with you. The best plan of escape from our fears and our troubles and our worries is to run to the safe arms of Jesus. Amen? 
You are never safer than when you are in his arms. If you want to go with fear and worry, you'll see your life go to ruin. Instead, I encourage you to bring your fears to Jesus and he will give you peace in place of fear. There are problems to overcome and Jesus knew that. So in verse 1 he says, let not your heart be troubled. I'm with you, i got a plan. I understand, but he gives us an invitation. Don't be troubled. The second thing to note in our text is that there is a person to believe in the midst of all the problems we have to overcome. The word believe is a life-altering word. For how many of you did believing on Jesus alter your life? All right, that's awesome. For the other 40, we'll keep preaching the gospel to you. Amen. Your life alters because of the word belief. The faith that God gives you, it's a gift of God. You didn't muster it up on your own. God gave you the faith. And it transformed, it changed your life. Completely new person you became when you were regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Oh, your Sunday school term. The word believe means to think or to be true. To think something to be true. To be persuaded of. To have confidence in. And literally, the word actually means to exercise faith in someone or something. It's trust. Is another synonym we can use there. And this, this verse speaks of two kinds of faith or belief that we can have. And it's simply this. That Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God. Now there's two things here. You believe in God because God is the one who sustains you. He created you and he's in control. He's the great shepherd. He keeps everything under his watchful eye and keeps it going. He is a sustainer God. He sustains from the beginning of creation. He is sustaining everything the way he wants it to be. He's a sustainer. And you have faith, you have belief in God. You believe in God, the God who sustains you. Believe also in me. Because the second aspect of faith is that you have faith for salvation, not just for to be sustained. But he saves you. And he brings you into relationship with himself through your faith in Jesus that he gave you. There's a saving faith. Believe also in me. But the idea of believing in God, we have faith in God because and He sustains us because of His promises, His power, and His plans. And there's a whole sermon just in those three points there. But God, God is able to sustain us because of His promises, His power, and His plans. We already read that Job said that no plan of yours can be thwarted. Why? Because God is all-powerful and because His plans never get thwarted, His promises are true, He never breaks His word. Believe also in me. It isn't enough just to believe that there is a God. After all, the devils also believe or the demons believe that and they aren't saved, James 2 verse 19 says. To be saved, a person must believe the gospel message. And the gospel is a simple message. It's a message about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And placing your faith and trust in His salvation and His Lordship in your life. Why? So that you can be saved from the wrath of God. Oh, there's Sunday school this morning again. That's why we're saved. Saved from the wrath of God. Not so we can have no troubles in this world. Not so. No, it's from the wrath of God because we're all sinners. Amen? And God is gracious. And the gospel is a simple message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Put all your trust in that person, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, who is master of the universe and who is the only savior and forgiver and, and wiper away 
of all sins. Believe in Him. Jesus answered in verse 6, the idea that, that of having faith, the saving faith. He said in verse 6, I just jumped ahead at the bottom of that, that, that text this morning. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the gospel. You go through Jesus. You believe in him. No one comes to the Father except, except through him. There's a person to believe in your troubles. And there's only one who can save you, sustain you, and then furthermore, carry you all the way to the end. It's Jesus. Embrace Jesus Christ by faith and rest your future in his powerful hands this morning. Amen? There's a person to believe, and it's Jesus. Not just God, but it's Jesus Christ. Finally, notice that there's a place to anticipate. If you want to overcome and if you want to shake off and and, and scrape off all these barnacles, live with an anticipation for that place that's reserved for you. It's called heaven, right? In heaven. Verses 2 to 3, the Bible says... And I just flipped the page, and I, there we go. Verses 2 to 3. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's a place to anticipate. And when you live with that anticipation, you start to... To, to put away and, 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 and scrape off the barnacles of negativity. And, oh, this is such a drudgery. And this life, oh, am I ever going to make it? Oh, it's so difficult today. You start seeing the goal. You start seeing the prize. And you know that you're not getting it yourself, but Jesus is pushing you along. And he's sustaining you. And he's saving you. And he's taking you all the way home. So you get there safe and secure. Oh, you might be banged up. But your soul will be in one piece and you'll be with God forever. Amen? There's a place to anticipate. You know what's cool about this place, real quick? Is that it's palatial. Now, I know I'm maybe adding to something, a little bit of liberty here, but it's palatial. In my father's house are many mansions or dwelling places, different translations have, but these rooms, these places, but it's heaven. The place is palatial. If you look at Revelation, descriptions of what's going on there, I'm having my own palace. We'll all have our own room, and maybe, maybe it's a palace, but it's palatial. It's beautiful. It's amazing. The construction is like nothing you've ever seen or experienced, heard of, or designed, or concocted, or imagined in your mind. Amen. It's palatial. Amen? In my Father's house are many mansions. We need to remember that we are not home yet. So let whatever barnacles come, we'll scrape them off with that hope and anticipation that we're going to this place that Jesus was deserving for us. 1 Peter 1.6 Listen, friends, brothers, sisters, Peter says that we are just pilgrims and strangers and we're just passing through this life. It's temporary. It's temporary. We're going to go home eventually. We're going to be there. I guarantee it. It's going to be far better when we get home to be with Jesus in heaven one day in that place that He's made for us. If you are saved, there's a place for you in the Father's house and one day you're going home. You're going home. There's a place to anticipate, and you have every right to keep anticipating. That's our hope, amen? Secondly, it's not just a palatial place, but it's a place that's being prepared, as I mentioned. Now think about that. Six days, God created the whole universe. And with his little fingers, like Play-Doh, he took and he, and he just formed, and he made like these, these cool like little, uh, what do they call those, arches out, at, in the, out in the desert. He took his hands like Play-Doh and went like this. He goes, oh, that's Mount, Mount Everest. Perfect. Leave it right there. 
Then he goes over here, Mount McKinley. And he, then he goes like this, and he puts his finger, and he goes like, drags his finger really sharply. And it's the, uh, what is that called? The Mariana Trench in the ocean. That's almost 30,000 feet deep. Can you imagine 30,000 feet of water above you? Yeah, no, you can't. I can't either. And he made all this. He prepared the earth and he, he fashioned it the way he wanted and he's doing the exact same thing right now for the place he has for you. He's preparing it. And when it's all ready, it comes with a promise because when it's all ready, this place is promised and he says, I'm going to come again. When it's ready and the time is right, I'm coming today. Every day, you and I live with one of the greatest promises the world has never known or heard as our support. Man, I'm going through, but I know where I'm going. I know, and it's there, it's being reserved, and it's promised he's going to come personally and bring me home and take me home. We have our Savior's promise that he will personally return to receive his people unto himself one day. I love it. In fact, he wanted his people to know that he meant, and what he meant by this thing, and that's why we have Revelation, especially the last few chapters, showing us what it's going to all be like, giving us a glimpse. And you know what the amazing thing is? That as it's being prepared, all that was able to be used were descriptions with the words like and as because it all falls short for what he saw. It was just a glimpse. You can't, our, our language falls short of how amazing, how palatial, how it's being premiered, prepared, and that it's promised and it's going to happen. But we have glimpses of it in Scripture. We're going home. We're just passing through. So all the barnacles... All the stuff, all the negativity, all the troubles. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says. There's a place to anticipate. I'm the person to believe in, Jesus says, to take you through. And God will sustain you and save you. You're going to have troubles. You're going to make it through. This morning I conclude by asking three questions. First, what are you afraid of today? Or actually, more specifically, what troubles you right now? What is troubling you? If you're honest, and if you look, and maybe you don't even have to look deep, you, and you just, bang, you just, you're just right now, you're, you're troubled, you're, you're restless, there's battles going on, and you're struggling, and the barnacles are all over you, and you feel like you've got you're, you're 50 pounds of barnacles on your back, and you're dragging through life, you can't get up, and it's painful, and, and it just, it's sucking the life out of you because all this stuff, what, do you, what troubles you? What frustrates you? What angers you? What, what's dragging you down? What barnacles have attached themselves to you, causing you to drag? And they're consuming a lot of your energy for short-lived endeavors, and you're just weary. If you come to Jesus, He can and He will replace your fear, your heartaches, your troubles with His precious peace, His joy, and His strength to keep going. He'll scrape off the barnacles so you're not dragging. Secondly, What are you or who are you trusting to take you to heaven? Or maybe you don't even know where you're going. Maybe you're so dragging, you're not even moving. There's so much weight at the barnacles, you're just sitting at the bottom of the sea, so to speak. Because you're weighed down by all the troubles and sins and heartaches of life. Everybody believes in something or someone. Have you ever trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and you're sitting here this morning? If not, you can be saved. That means you will be spared. You'll be forgiven of your sins. You'll be spared the wrath of God because you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior because of what He did for you and you couldn't do for yourself. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asks a question that I ask you. He said to Martha, do you believe this? How about you this morning? Do you believe this? Will you trust Jesus to take away your sins, to be your Savior, but to be your Lord? Wipe away, make your slate clean, and spare you from the wrath of God that is coming so you could spend eternity with Him? Will you do that with a simple faith and trust? And lastly, this morning, are you able to get your eyes above all your troubles? Or is your heart so covered in barnacles that it's hardly beating? And you can't even see with the eyes of faith, so to speak, because you've allowed the negativity and you've given in. And all of a sudden, you're in the devil's playground because he's maneuvering and he's moving these barnacles, all this negativity and sins and lies and condemnation and failures and and all these circumstances, and he's dragging you down or keeping you locked down. Can you get your eyes above that? So you could see, if you're a child of God, so you could see your eternal destiny where you're going? If the burdens of life have got you down, I invite you to come before the Lord this morning and let Him help you set your sights higher than just what's here on this earth. Man, it's just going away so fast. There is help and hope in Christ. And regardless of what you need today, you're going to find your answer in Jesus. Plain and simple. Don't let your heart be troubled. And if it is, You know what to do. You do now. So will you do it? Will you run to Jesus? Will you surrender? Will you tell him? Will you cast all your care upon him? Will you let him scrape off the barnacles of all the stuff of life that's dragging you down? Will you do that this morning? I want to close in prayer. Service will be ended. It will end. But if you want to stay in prayer, I invite you to come to the altar or just take a few minutes and reflect. Let the Holy Spirit just However, that it doesn't always feel good, right? It's not going to feel good to scrape off barnacles. But let him do his work in your heart. Amen. Lord, thank you this morning for your words in John chapter 14. God, I pray that this morning there wouldn't be one heart that leaves troubled, but that they would believe not only in God, but in you also, so that you would save them and sustain them, Lord. That they would overcome every trouble, Lord Jesus, and that they would have their eyes fixed on this place that's being prepared. Thank you for the promise that you're coming back for us, Lord. I just pray that your Holy Spirit, and I ask that you continue to move among us, God. I pray that hearts that are sensing, Lord, your presence and and the light is coming on in their darkened minds and hearts, God, that they would turn themselves over to you, that you would do the work of scraping off every barnacle in their life, Lord. Help us as we go, Lord, that we might share this good news, that you're the barnacle scraper, Lord. And then with you, we can get through life until we see you face to face one day. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being our strength. And thank you, Lord, for guiding us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.